Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Bizarrely, the only thing that has even come close to the growl, and, and you'll probably laugh at this, if you've ever seen the sort of the, the Marvel film, The Incredible Hulk, where he, they're going through the factory and you, you see it, it's, it's, it's all dark and you just hear the Hulk growl and go, no, leave me alone, you know, sort of thing. The first time I heard that, it really sent a kill down my spine because I was like, that's pretty much what it was like. That's what it sounded like. But, you know, it, and it did sound like a muttering. And that's where I started thinking along the lines, I don't think this was a human. I look into these things and I, I want more than anything to see one. And there in the moment, obviously, I was thinking, you know, I literally sat there frozen for an hour. This is Bigfoot Crossroads. I am Matt, and I am joined by a very special guest, Mr. Luke Phillips, author, and would it be fair to call you a zoologist? Uh, probably. It's not completely fair to call me because it's not what I do for a living anymore. Um, but uh, but I, do, I, I study diversity, um, and um, I do work in wildlife conservation. So, I, I, I think you're fairly knowledgeable about the... Uh, subject matters that we're going to be covering on this episode uh your most recent book is actually a a, a work about bigfoot it's uh Linus, yes uh you had mr sam sharon do the artwork for the book and i had uh posted on instagram and you reached out to me i had no idea you were a, a listener of the show i was pleasantly surprised to hear that uh if you don't mind Talk a little bit about what the book Rogue is about and uh, kind of talk about some of the uh, stories and lore that inspired the book, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was very interesting because, um, yeah, the book launched and, uh, as you say, Sam did the artwork and I've listened to um, you know uh, Bigfoot Crossroads for a long time. So it was wonderful to see it, it, it crop up in, in, in my feed. Um, but Rogue is pretty much... Um, uh, a story I've wanted to tell for a long time. Um, sort of the 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 monsters and the cryptids of the world have always fascinated me. Um, I've written 
books previously about the big cat phenomenon in, in the UK, um, something I've investigated and looked at um, over here. But um, Bigfoot has always been something that's imagination from from a very young age um i'm one of those kids whose dad um let him sit down on a sunday afternoon to watch the legend of boggy creek far too young um <laughs> and was kind of was kind of traumatized by uh the, the hand reaching in through the windows uh the, the window scene um and uh, have kind of been transfixed ever since um and obviously, over the years, I've I've you know heard the stories. I've you know spoken to people, even who you know have very you know very legitimate you know stand up people who think they've had experiences. Obviously, primarily in the US, lots and lots of people. Um, you know, again, people who don't necessarily believe in these things, who have you know really quite significant um, you know uh, experiences and. Which, you know, they, uh, they seem you know, convinced us of the experience they've had. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I suppose I just became sort of transfixed, really, because a bit like with the big cat phenomenon over here in the UK, when I first started looking at it in the uh, uh, in the UK with the big cats, I was dead set on trying to uh, prove that they didn't exist, that they weren't here, that they couldn't possibly be here. The, uh, there was no ecosystems to support them or habitat or food chain and you know that once i started going down the rabbit hole what happened was that i actually went completely the other way and i convinced myself they were here um you know i saw evidence from police cameras and things like that that really stood out to me um and the same kind of happened with bigfoot looking at things like the Paston Gibbon film, um, once we started looking at the, you know, the method of locomotion, um, you know, so that the, you know, the fact of sort of, you know, the compliant gait that Bigfoot has, which is a biological adaptation, which makes it a more efficient, you know, uh, form of bipedal walking. <laughs> Uh, and again, all the clues just started falling into place that actually perhaps we are talking about something that's real. And of course, then that gets gets my imagination going, and it was the yeah the the monster in the woods um, story sort of started coming to mind, and it has been something that's sort of been there for a long time. Um, yeah, th th this is a bit of a love letter to Bigfoot. There's an awful lot of lore and legends that are you know sort of um, referenced in the book, um, you know, from Patterson Gimlin. It's early on, so it's not a spoiler. But the the code that the uh, sheriff gives to you know one of the um, law agencies to notify that there's been a bigfoot attack is is the anniversary date of the Patterson Gimlin film. Um, you know, and there's uh, I mentioned rock apes. Um, most of the bigfoot variants um, across the world, in fact, um, you know, sort of everything from the stone giants and. Uh, Notable attacks, you know, or and, and even the the now between the lakes and incidents. So, yeah, there's there's a lot in there. Lots of little Easter eggs for fans of Bigfoot. You mentioned something in an email about a uh, sort of a possible encounter you had yourself. Uh, could you talk about that? Yeah, so that was back in two thousand and nine, where I was I was basically over on the coast of California. Um, and I was there tracking the grey whale migration um, and basically just on a bit of a, a road trip. It was my first time ever in the United States. Um, um, I had a few things that I really, really wanted to do. One of the things was I really wanted to see a scrub jay, um, you know, a bird that we don't get over here, of course, um, in the UK. 
So I set off Palm Springs where they were meant to be. Uh, and I decided I was going to um, order a quick, you know, one man, um, you know, sort of a tent from Walmart. Hadn't, hadn't been to Walmart because we don't have them here. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you know, we was, was, was looking forward to it. Um, got set up. And I feel, you know, I've, I've done lots of, you know, as I say, I've studied zoology. I've done a lot of work with big animals. You know, so I'm not, I'm not against staying in the woods. I, I'm, I spend a lot of time hiking, walking. You know, out in the woods, I wasn't too worried about that. Um, I think the campground was called Coral Canyon, um, which was sort of on the way to Palm Springs. Um, and what I hadn't realised, because this was in March of that year, was was that um, a the campsite was closed, and b there had been a recent wildfire. Um, so when I turned up, there was there was nobody there at all. Um, so I set myself up. It was only going to be for one night. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't too worried. Uh, yeah, but I actually went to bed quite early. Um, there was nothing really around. There was some owls calling. Um, you yeah, know, nothing, nothing that you know sort of got my um, you know sort of uh, sort of you know, made me worry. Um, went to bed, and then during the night, I was woken by something that seemed really quite loud. Um, and, you know, at first I did think it was a bird call. And, I, you know, my head was going through all sorts of different birds. And I was like, I don't think that is a bird. I don't know what that is. Um, and I'll be honest, right, you know, at that time, Bigfoot was not on my radar. It wasn't really what I was thinking about. Um, I was there for, you know, what I considered real wildlife. Um, but there was quite a, a big sort of booming sort of, call which did still sound a little bit like a, an owl but if it was an owl it was an 800 pound owl <laughs> um, and then and then there was a growl which is before in california i had encountered a black bear um so uh, uh yeah so I, I was like okay probably a bear the thing they tell you to do, which is to make yourself heard, you know. Um, so I said, you know, I just said hello there. There's, you know, there's something here. I'm here, um, or something along those lines. You know, quite cool, quite calm, wasn't worried. Um, and then there was like just this absolute burst of, uh, you know, it sounded like, you know, something coming straight through the trees at me, and thing was uh, basically this line like, like something was being dragged across the tent um and i you know i did hear things something going thundering past and i'm not going to pretend that i'm an expert and 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 no but it did sound bipedal um and then it went absolutely dead quiet um and there was no sounds there was no further bird calls the area in front of me was just gravel and sand um so I sh if, you know technically I, you heard it moving on or moving off from there but it was like it got to the, it got to the edge of my tent and then it just went absolutely quiet and i was like well maybe it's still there so i just stayed quiet and i stayed quiet for about half an hour if i'm being honest um just wondering what's going on here um and then i thought i started thinking about what i'd seen and bizarrely the thing that came to mind was the, the track next to my the tent the amount of room there was between me and the brush wasn't wasn't huge 
Um, so it was quite a narrow gap. And I just imagined when you're running quite fast along a narrow gap, when you throw out your hand to balance and perhaps a finger or something, you know, running a, a, you know, past, you know, touching the fabric of the tent as it ran past. Um, and, and, and I was like, okay, so in the picture at the time, I was thinking person. Um, you know, um, and again, you know, in the UK, one of the things we don't have to worry about is people running around with guns. So that, of, of course, crossed my mind. I was like, oh, okay, maybe there's something out here. You know, he heard me. Okay, just stay quiet. However, about 15 minutes after that, so about it was getting on for an hour after the incident and after I'd heard anything, again, the, all of the, the sort of the bird noises, the, you know, the nightlife back in. Um, and I, I didn't sleep for the rest of the night at all, um, was on alert, and, and literally the moment daylight came, I sort of packed up my tent and went, uh, 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 you know, as quick as I could, um, if I'm being honest. Um, and, but I did spend most of the time convincing myself it was a person, but it, it just didn't fit right, because if it was a person, they were very, very big. Um, you know, because the, you know, the, 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 up in a tent, which wasn't a huge tent, but you know, the, the the finger as such was passing along the tent at, at, at you know overhead height. So wow. So yeah, that was that was <laughs> yeah, that would be really unnerving. You you mentioned something interesting. It's something I I've heard uh, a lot from people, especially in the UK, uh, about. The way that America is perceived in gun ownership. Yes, <laughs> I think it's. I think. I think it's the stereotype. But a bit like you know, but over here it's always wet and cold, and we we only have a drink. Exactly. It's, it's, kind of, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing. But yeah, I hate to admit it, it was. Pro, you know, despite having been to America several times, and you know, my sister lives over there, and I think a lot of Americans think the same way, though. Uh, so it's interesting because, you know, just thinking about the idea of like, as you were saying, you tried to convince yourself that it was most likely a person, but I see it from the perspective of, well, if I were that person, I would be worried that the person in the tent had a gun and I shouldn't be running through their camp like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Obviously spent some time since then and I've never found an exact match, um, but you know, and it's it, it, bizarrely the only thing that has even come close to the growl, and, and you'll probably laugh at this because. But if you've ever seen the sort of the the Marvel film, The Incredible Hulk, sure, um, yeah, where uh, where he they're going through the factory, and you you so it, it's 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 all dark, and you just hear the Hulk growl and like, leave me alone. You know, sort of thing. Yeah, and it, that that the first time I heard that, it really sent a chill down my spine because I was like, "That's pretty much what it was like. That's what it sounded like." You know, it was this deep, rough, gro you know, growly, you know, sort of, you know, it, and it did sound like a muttering. You know, it like it was, uh, you know, uh, and that's where I started thinking along the lines. I don't think this was a human. You know, so, yeah. but, but obviously I never saw anything. I certainly wasn't going to put my head out of the tent. And, th and this is the thing. I look into these things and I, I want more than anything to see one. And there in the moment, obviously I was thinking, 
you know, I literally sat there frozen for an hour. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, so many people go through that, um, especially in the, in the Bigfoot community, you know, the idea that everybody wants to see one so bad, but you know, until you're in the situation, you don't really know how you're going to react. No, absolutely. It's just strange how that, that primal instinct kicks in for, and, and um, literally a black bear. And I didn't feel any sense of alarm, you know, um, I knew what to do. I stayed still, you know, didn't, you know, didn't sort of, you know, get in its way, interact with it or anything like that. You know, and, and actually I was just like, oh, wow, a bear, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. And I didn't have any of that sort of It was during the day. Um, so it really kicked in. You know when um you know, when you start hearing those noises and it, you know it sounded like it was coming closer and things like that. So yeah, it was a bizarre. It was a very much a biological reaction. Let me get your thoughts on this. Over, you know, I I say the recent years. It's not necessarily recent at this point, but uh, in the timeline of Bigfoot, <laughs> it's recent that there's more and more interest and claims of Bigfoot in the uk do you think that's a possibility what what's going on with that yeah i think it's i mean a lot of people dismiss it um and the thing is we do have we are a relatively small country obviously um but we have we don't have any natural predators here and we have a completely out of kilter ecosystem we have a really really deer heavy population um because there's a, a game, you know, people hunt game here. We have big private game estates and things like that. We also have huge amounts of, you know, rural areas. You know, we've got, um, you know, particularly the Highlands of Scotland, um, you know, North and uh, uh, West Wales, um, are very, very rural, very desolate, you know, hard areas, you know, very high mountains, um, you know, climbers and walkers go missing, get killed, you know. It's it's not uh, a small place. We also have, you know, we do have, you know, big patches of forests right across, for instance, where I live in the southeast. We have forests, you know, that go right, right across, you know, 300 miles to the southwest. We certainly have the habitat and we certainly have prey species. Right? Um, and there's certainly plenty of livestock um yeah, up on the fells, we have this very hardy breed of sheep called a Herdwick um, sheep, which is, you know, and again, they, they live outdoors 24-7, 365 you know, days a year, no matter the conditions. Um, it's very difficult for the farmers to account for all of them. Um, they have such a low value in terms of cost, they, they don't lose any sleep over it. Um, so, you know, if you were a Bigfoot, and, and, you know, so for instance, there was recently... Uh, a, a report in the Hilgen Fells in Cumbria uh, uh, of a, a of a walker who has come across several livestock kills um, and says his two dogs saw something running off or he alerted to him to something big on two legs running away through a field. You know, um, so we do get the reports. I think it's completely out of the question, particularly in Scotland. Wales and a few other areas, yeah, Brecon Beacons, um, you know, things like that, where we've got these really hilly, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Canuck Chase, which is a huge patch of woodland in the middle of the country. We've got we've got the areas which are supporting, you know, these huge amounts of deer. We've also got wild boar. Um, you know, we've got a uh, you know rabbits and hares. You know, so we've we've got plenty of food for them. 
Um, so we've got them. It, 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 obviously, the numbers would have to be very, very small. Or relatively small. I don't, you know, I don't think we're talking huge populations, but there's no reason they shouldn't be here, and I don't think we should dismiss it. Uh, and again, you know, it, across Europe and the UK, we've got these legends of the wild man, the wood wolf, and um, you know, the green man, and um, slightly different legends. You know, so the wood wolf is very much. Um, a wild man, a hairy man, um, you know, um, you know, sort of, you know, that lives in the woods. The green man is more sort of a protector, sort of, you know, um, being which protects the the, the 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 woodlands and trees, and you know, um, you know, has that sort of role. But then again, you know, across, you, know, you go to you go across to Europe, of course, and you've got uh, legends like you know the Grendel, um, you know, uh, Beowulf, trolls. Um, you know, uh, you know various wild mentions which have, you know, been kept up for millennia, um, and obviously, you know, to a certain extent, you know, without staking the fire too much, that there, there has to be some basis there. Um, you know, there are these you know beautiful wood carvings and etchings of wood woes and wild men. Um, you know, uh, and they're obviously based on something. Um, so I wouldn't completely dismiss it. Um, you know, uh, and, and you know, of course, as we know with Bigfoot legends and, and Bigfoot sightings and reportings, they are reported practically every continent, you know, except Antarctica. So, you know, you know, China's got them, Russia's got them, Australia's got them, um, you know, Europe's got them, you know, Canada, US, um, you know, South America, you know, we've, they've all got these legends of these bipedal hairy creatures. Um, and, and again, we do too. I was going to say that like you're talking about the the distribution of bigfoot legends being global mm. that doesn't happen very often with animals uh, of any kind unless they're domesticated or introduced by you know us uh, for the most part especially whenever it comes to large mammals you don't have many situations where you find them everywhere like you do bigfoot no, there's very few species. I mean, like, the only species I can really think off the top of my head are, are, are mainly marine mammals. So, you know, right. seals and sea lions, you know, um, for instance, in particular. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the great whales, um, killer whales, for instance, top predator, found pretty much at every sea, you know, around the world. Um, so, yeah, so there, there, there are examples but in terms of land mammals there's there's very very few um and it, ten, it again it tends to be the most adaptive again one of the things i would say about that is obviously is is not to dismiss our influence there you know there, there's an awful lot of species that have that are no longer around um because unfortunately they met us yeah um, <laughs> yeah so yeah so for instance big cats were widespread across europe um, you know, Europe had a, a jaguar, uh, a cheetah, um, you know, a, a, and various um, other big cats. Um, you know, uh, and you know they've all gone. Same for Eurasian brown bear in the UK. So there were species that were more widespread and were spread, you know, for its especially across Europe, right across to the other side of Asia. But yeah, so but it, but it's, it is interesting that, that enigma when it comes to the bigfoot, that it is it's prominent. And found so much uh, without without too much variation, um, you know, uh, across you know the, you know most of the world, it is a global phenomenon. So let's talk about 
your study into the big cat phenomenon, uh, that is something that has always interested me about the UK. A lot of your writings have kind of been focused on that area. What got your interest in that? And how did you really go from uh, a skeptic to a believer? Um, so yeah, I was studying zoology at university. I mean, I mean, we'd always had. I I grew up in the sort of the eighties and the nineties, which was very well, the eighties mainly. Um, it, it, and that was very much for so that was the Beast of Bodmin, um, and the Surrey Puma, and they were regularly you know featured in news um, uh, newspapers, TV reports. There was a massive hunt, which included the army, you know, Royal Marines, and looking for the beast of Bodmin. Um, yeah, so this was something that got huge attention in the 80s. Um, and then in the, the late 90s, when I was at, at university, it was a case of um, I wanted to, it still had my attention. They were still getting, you know, sort of time in newspapers. Uh, and I thought, well, come on, this is nonsense because we'd have seen them, you know, um, which uh, you know, is probably a line most people who, who look into Bigfoot and cryptids are pro probably familiar with. Um, but I, I was that person at the time. Um, so I actually made it one of my third year projects to actually look into the possibility of them being around. Um, and one of the places I started because I was I was studying uh, in the north of the country. Um, I actually um, was able to get in touch with the the Cheshire County Constabulary, and they had incredible um, infrared footage taken from a helicopter, which showed a lynx walking along the M6, which is a major motorway here. Um, uh, and again, that's footage that did the rounds for for a long time. Um, and then other evidence started coming up. So, for instance, there was uh, a woman, you know, more down this way in the southeast of the country, who had um, said that a, a bit large black cat had uh, tried to uh, attack her own cat and uh, got through the cat, or it put its, it chased the cat through the cat flap, and as it got into the cat flap, uh, it chopped off one of its whiskers. And when it was tested, it, it was confirmed to be that of a leopard. Wow. Um, there, was, there were some questions about whether it could have possibly come from a rug, something like that. Um, but those are actually illegal in the UK. You, you know, by then, you couldn't have them. So it, it's unlikely. And again, there was no reason for this woman to be lying. You know, Because you know, again, when you report these things, you are opening yourself up for ridicule. Right. Um, you know, yeah, you know, so because people will poke fun at you and, you know, will question, you know, the likelihood of it happening or will say you've, you've, you've misidentified. So, for instance, again, um, in the early 2000s, there was uh, a, a case called the Sydney Panther um, in a very big park you know, called um, Crystal Palace Park. Um, um, which borders this area called Sydney, and uh, you know, a bodybuilder um, basically went out into his garden and rescued his cat, which was being attacked by a large black cat, um, and got attacked by the cat. His daughter phoned the police, and the police themselves confirmed that they saw something large and black escaping from the rear garden. Huh. Um, so again, there's lots of these sort of you know little. 
things you know sort of pop up but again it's it's the the people the vast majority of people who report them have they have nothing to gain they have no real interest in publicity um you know um there's there's plenty of photographic evidence of poor prints um since then again in, in you know in the last few years um it's really taken off so the uh the, the college of agriculture has been doing an ongoing study of uh, what's called a pit tooth analysis so they've been collecting suspect capsules um you know and looking at the 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 damage on the bones and see if they match up with big cat sort of jaws and um you know they've all but come out and officially said that they think there are mountain lions and leopards here um you know so um yeah which is really interesting because the vast majority of the cats that get reported here are mountain lions and leopards two of the most adaptable cats in the world you know mountain lions are literally found from the tip of tip of chile right up to alaska um you know leopards are found you know from the deserts uh, you know from the deserts of arabia right through to you know the the you know the snow snowy mountains of russia so really adaptable cats that can cope with a huge range of habitats and landscapes, um, very adaptable to their prey species. Um, you know, they'll pr- pretty much take whatever they can find. And they just happen to be the ones that keep sort of um, getting reported. So, and again, what it all comes down to is in the, in the late, up until the 19, 1976, anybody could go out and own one of these animals. Um, you know, so you could go to Harrods, the big department store in London, and you could buy. You know, it, they 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 said there was a very famous you know uh, sign in their uh, their animal department that said, um, "If you can think of it, we can get it." Wow. Um, you know, and uh, and they you know they would get you know there's you know pictures of. Uh, yeah, or film f- footage of you know people walking leopards you know on a lead in London and black panthers particularly which you know which are basically just black leopards um, which were very popular um, <clears throat> you know so uh, and then what happened was that you know there, there was a couple of incidents so one of the things that was happening is that people were these animals were getting into the wrong hands so there was for instance there was uh a, a scrap metal dealer who uh had a lion um which he used as a guard dog um <laughs> and, and, and still was <laughs> um, uh, and, and that uh that you know there was an incident you know because the, the lion got out and yeah 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 and there was uh, these things were happening a little bit you know more often than not and you know, obviously, you know, I mean, there's a brilliant bit of news footage which shows uh, a woman walking, you know, a sub-adult male lion, and, you know, she she has absolutely no control over it whatsoever. She's just being dragged along, you know, like a husky sled team. It's fantastic. Um, but, but basically, in 1976, the government came in, and they made it, you know, they made it illegal to own these animals having specific type of secure enclosure, um, you had to prove that you could feed them, animal welfare, all that sort of stuff. And what happened was, is bizarrely, you know, talk about a loophole, there was nothing in the legislation to say people couldn't release them. You know, there was no, legisl- there was no legislation saying don't 
loose wild animal, you know, dangerous wild animals into into in, into the wilds of England and Scotland and Wales. Right. So, what happened was most, you know, basically there were so many of these animals that these circuses things like that, they got filled up really quickly. Um, there was a very famous circus in the UK, um, and it was run by uh, a woman called Mary Chipperfield, and she admits that she released three pumas onto the moors in Bodmin while she was driving to Dartmoor Zoo because she had more cats than she could find homes for. You know, um, and it, it didn't actually become illegal until 1980, um, to, you know, before you know, before the government realised what was going on, um, to, to to release animals into the wild. So we had this four year gap whilst there were goodness knows how many animals being released into the wild. Um, it's quite likely a lot of them died. You know, without doubt. You know, probably couldn't you know kill animals. A lot of them probably have been declawed and things like that. But of, what is really interesting is that we know that black panthers were really, really popular. We know mountain lions were really popular. That basically these were the, the animals which were easiest to get hold of. Um, and these are the animals that we see time and time again, um, you know, being reported when it comes to big cat sightings in the UK. I never even thought of that angle before. I mean, Obviously, it became very popular and very trendy, especially, I would imagine, with the uh, upper class. And then the government comes in and removes the market and says it's illegal to own one of these things. So obviously, what are all the, the people going to do that had started making a living off this? Yeah, that, that makes total sense that they would just dump them in the wild. I mean, that if you can't sell them, what else are you going to do? No, absolutely. And again, you know, technically it wasn't even illegal. Um, but there was a guy up in the north of the country who had uh, a black leopard and a mounted lion. Um, uh, you know, and again, it, there was a film, a documentary made last year called Panthera Britannia. And he, it, you know, this archive news footage, he, he says, yeah, I had two. I took them up to the moors. I let them go. Um, and again, What's funny is that the Beast of Bodmin, which was regularly reported as being a sandy-coloured cat, i.e. a mountain lion, and a black-coloured cat, i.e. a leopard, um, were were regularly reported travelling together. Um, and there was a butcher in the area who had these two cats, very similar, um, and who basically... He, he he apparently had some interesting connections and was in a bit of trouble with the law. So he just let them go on Dartmoor and fled the country. But those two sort of historical aspects marry up that he disappeared and these cats started killing livestock on Dartmoor pretty much about the same time. Wow. So we pretty we think so we think we pretty much know where the beast of Dartmoor came from, um, or the beast of Bobbin. Uh, but yeah. It, there is a, a fascinating, you know, and it goes back now, you know, nearly 50 years now, um, and people are still seeing them, you know. And, and, and what's really interesting is, again, it, it, a bit like the Bigfoot sightings, it all makes biological sense, you know. Like, for instance, we're in winter now. There's less vegetation around. The food is harder to get come by. Um, and we always see a spike in sightings. Yeah, we see we see more people reporting that they've seen these things out in the wild. Um, you know, uh, that they've, uh, 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 you know, that they've come across them in winter. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those b bizarre things, um, you know, that makes sense 
zoologically in, in terms of animal behavior. Something that doesn't make sense zoologically, the dog man has become extremely popular. You have a lot more interest in dog man creatures. And growing up as a kid, the most terrifying monster out there was the werewolf of <laughs> of European lore. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have dogman sightings taking place over there currently? Yeah, we well it's it's interesting because we do. Um and like you, I don't really know what to make of them because yeah, it, it was interesting because when I was researching the books, um you know, so the big cats I've got covered, that was my area in, in zoology, so I could I could do that. Um Bigfoot, again, there's lots of people out there you can talk to and they'll say, Yeah, okay, well there's a biological precedent, there are fossil records, you know, you want you want a relic hominid, we've got about twenty of them, you know, we can we can put this together. The moment I started asking questions about okay, so theoretically there's this bipedal canine and when it stands up it's hot it's it's hips pop and you know things like that it, you know how can we explain that biological and you just got weird faces you know sort of looking back at you going well what the hell are you talking about you know but yeah so we we do get dog sightings here there are particular they definitely seem to take on a more spiritual stroke supernatural element um so there are various hot spots as such. So again, the Highlands of Scotland, um, around Inverness and Loch Ness. There are, I wouldn't say regular, but there are numerous sightings, you know, again, going back over the last decade or so. Um, Canuck Chase, again, this big, you know, massive forest, um, you know, in the central um, area of the UK, is renowned. Um, you know, there's an area called the German Cemetery, which is where uh, German prisoners who had been captured, you know, if they died over here, that yeah, they were buried. And uh, yeah, it, it was uh, they that place is renowned for dogman sightings. Um, you know, um, and again, we do get them here. So there's a village near me. Um, I'm I'm in the southeast in, in the county of Kent. Um, and there is a village near me called Yording, where which has a, 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 a werewolf stroke dogman legend. Um, you know, so it, yeah, it it's famous for the area is famous for apple production, um, and there's many orchards around Yording, um, and there is a family there that have uh, a, 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 you know a, a big estate with with um, uh, you know these orchards. They have a sort of you know. You know, family property on one of the orchards, which is used for you know, sort of camping out in summer and you know, having entertainment, sort of you know, that sort of stuff. And you know, they they shared a report uh, you know a few years ago where basically they were out there um, at night. They they'd been entertained for a long time. Um, you know, they bedded down, um, and they were stalked and terrorized by this thing which you know fit fit all of the descriptions of dogman um you know throughout the night whilst they were there um to the point where you know they they never stayed overnight you know uh, 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 there under canvas ever again <laughs> um uh, uh, yeah and, and it's yeah we so we do get them um and there is also an irish legend um 
which is I can't the name of the entity is, but there is this association with Irish families um, that basically there is this legend or this creature which sometimes if you're close to death or if your family is threatened, you might see this or might come across this creature, which is basically, again, it's basically a large black werewolf, um, you know, um, which, you know, sort of doesn't seem to do much other than make itself known to you, but um, it's it's seen as an omen of, you know, that you know things aren't going to go your way for a while. <laughs> I mean, if you're seeing a werewolf or a dogman or whatever, no, things aren't going your way at all. No, not really. No, indeed, yes. Uh, uh, so yeah, we we definitely get them. And again, I think that's the thing. I think I think the new aspect of it is that we we obviously we've obviously been calling them dogman, um, and and that's you know that's a relatively new term. Um, I think if we look at it from the point of view of the werewolf legend. You know, people, you know, talking about upright canids, you know, uh, again, we're talking, we're talking about going back, you know, centuries. Yeah, that was uh, in my own studies. I mean, you know, whenever I first got involved with Bigfoot, you didn't hear as much about the dogman, but you did hear stories every now and then, uh, very rarely, but they were there. And if you look at it from the angle of werewolf creatures i mean this is the most reported cryptid outside of bigfoot yeah and it has been going on forever and again like bigfoot uh, seems to be a global phenomenon it's not isolated to one location it's all over the place no absolutely um it's 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 really, you know, it's, it, it, and again, when I was doing research for the book, one of the things that came across, so, you know, I started gingerly testing the waters, to, talking to a few Native American specialists and things like that, and they were very happy to talk about Bigfoot. They were not happy to talk about anything related to Dogman at all. Why do you think that is? Uh, just being a sort of a taboo subject? Yeah, uh, they. I mean, they were. They, yeah, I mean, I completely taboo, or they didn't want to talk about it. One of the things I was really, really after was I wanted a different name for this thing other than a dogman. Mm -hmm. Some of them even warned me about talking about it. I think, as you say, the thing that I think, I think there is this aspect of dread when it comes to the werewolf, and it's strange because when I was a kid, when I'm watching a horror movie, the one I always go to is a werewolf movie. Um, you know, uh, and when I was a kid, I was terrified of werewolf movies. Uh, again, I think I saw American Werewolf in London way too early. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you and I both. <laughs> so yeah, so and I, I think there is this sort of aspect of, that 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 does a number on us psychologically. It's very different to you know, the Bigfoot phenomenon. So are there uh, other cryptids that you're interested in? My mum's um, you know, half Scottish, so uh, and we spent you know, many, uh, you know, we used to you know, go on family holidays, um, one to a deer farm, which was very, you know, on the shores of Loch Ness. Um, and so, again, my interest in lake monsters, um, you know, from, from when I was a kid has kind of been there, to be honest. Um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that, 
we get this is the thing once you start going down this this rabbit hole in the uk we've got just this plethora of 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 weird stuff you know say similar to you know the us where you've got everything from you know the goat man to bat squatch um so yeah and over here we've got you know particularly in cornwall uh, the southwest wales and again scotland you know there is this you know um you know, there is this acceptance of, you know, for instance, the fae folk, the, you know, fairies, um, you know, uh, and, and, you know, there's a lot of superstition, people won't do so, or, you know, they don't want to upset the fae folk or, you know, things like that. Um, and it, again, it's bizarre to come across when it's 2024, you know, and you sort of start talking, but they, they take it quite seriously. Um, and, you know, I have got to the point where I'm like, well, who am I to question it? You know, again, it probably it's probably rooted in something and and you know i think there's a lot to in this world that, that we don't know and i'm very happy to accept that so let's talk a bit about uh your previous books centralizing around big cats what made you decide to go that route uh, as a topic uh it was i suppose it, there is a case of um if you haven't found the book that you want to read, write it yourself. Um, and, and that pretty much is, is where it came down to, <laughs> um, kind of the, the, the age of, you know, the golden age of hunting, you know, the pastists now. Um, so I kind of wanted to bring it all, you know, into one story and, that, and that's what I've done. The, what I call the beast series. Um, you know, starting off with shadow beast, which is based in, um, uh, uh, in the homes of Scotland, uh, and again, there's lots of real life. You know, same as in Rogue, the, the Bigfoot novel. Yeah, you know, there's lots of real life references in that. Um, in Shadow Beast, there's lots of real life references. You know, in, in that book. As I say, there's there's lots of stories I wanted to tell. So the second book, um, it features uh, a nod of the head to what were the two most famous man eaters in the world which was, you know, who were immortalized, you know, in, 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 in the Michael Douglas Val Kilmer film, The Ghost in the Darkness. Um, and in that book, where, which obviously goes to Kenya, um, where they were based, it's, uh, you know, that, that it's their legacy. It's, you know, descendants of them that have basically taken up man-eating again. Uh, and again, one of the motivations in, in, in telling the stories is that, you know, man-eating to a certain extent has become a story we don't like to tell um, as much. You know, obviously there is a huge um, emphasis on conservation um, and on our impact, you know, um, on the world. And, you know, we are certainly killing these animals, you know, far, far more often than they're killing us. But there are still plenty of areas in, in the world where being picked off by an animal is a possibility. Um, and I kind of, you know, dive into that a bit more. And then, yeah, and then in the third book, which is Phantom Beast, um, I, I wanted to bring the story to the United States. Um, so it's all set in Wyoming, um, you know, which is just linked to parts of the story that I, I told in Shadow Beast. So, um, but yeah, it, it's really a, a, a combination of those things that, you know, it, there were no stories really centered around big cats that are a favorite um we used to have some really cool big cats in the uk which we no longer have unfortunately um just wanted to put some historical aspects on the map you know uh, 
as I say, like the 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 the, the man eaters of Savo. The state are still the only man eaters who have ever been mentioned in British Parliament. The stories of man eaters is something that always terrifies me. Uh, there, there was a book that I purchased years ago, actually called Man Eaters. That was just true stories of humans being attacked by animals, <laughs> and, and it was absolutely terrifying. the The stories, especially surrounding, uh, you know, it's very popular in the media. I think there's a new one coming out about you know lions attacking humans. Uh, I love all those movies, all those stories. I, I find them so terrifying, though. Yeah, I think it's called Prey, the new one that's coming out. Yeah, yeah. Nature is very, very quick and keen to prove that we are not top of the food chain if she gets a chance. Absolutely. So do you have any uh, future books planned? Yeah, so, I mean, Rogue, the, the sequel to Southern Rogue, um, you know, which is going to take um, the story down to the south, you know, to Louisiana, um, is, is is in progress now. So, right, you know... Um, yeah, so um, hopefully, you know, maybe by the end of this year, hopefully. And and there's another, uh, another at least another book in the Beast series to come as well. So, so where can people uh, find your books if they'd like to check them out? So um, every, the Beast series and Rogue are all on Amazon, um, either in paperback or Kindle. Um, if you're in the US, you can also order them um unfortunately we don't, i don't have a distributor in the uk but i do in the us and um, so yeah you can order over the counter in most bookstores in, in the us uh they're also on audible and the beef series is on audible and rogue will hopefully be on audible by the end of april awesome luke phillips thank you so much for joining me sharing your thoughts and i've really really enjoyed the conversation man Oh, me too. No, yeah. All of my favorite cryptids in, in one chat. So that's fantastic. <laughs> and if you've had an encounter with a cryptid or anything else you can't explain, send me an email at bigfootcrossroads at gmail.com. Check out the website, bigfootcrossroads.com. You can find links to the social media, past episodes, merchandise, everything you need all in one place. And until next time, remember, there's something in the woods.